Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. All right, take your Bibles, turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles. We've been talking uh, and studying in in the book of Proverbs, and um, this morning we're going to talk about Solomon, uh, the author, the writer, uh, the writer, I should say, you know the Holy Spirit's the author of Scripture, uh, the writer of Proverbs, he also wrote a few other books that we're going to talk about this morning. Solomon is the son of David, son of Bathsheba also. 2 Chronicles chapter 1 verse 1. The Bible says, And Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and magnified him exceedingly. I think we... we, uh, As believers, as followers of Christ, we have to keep this in mind. A lot of times we think we need a lot of things, but what we really need is we need Him with us. Right? We need Him to lead us, to guide us. His presence is far more important in our lives than any other thing that we could obtain. But it takes it takes the Holy Spirit to remind us of that. Takes takes uh, to be to be spiritually minded of that, but. Here's Solomon's beginning. Uh, the Bible talks about him. He has a tender heart. He has a humble heart. He's not the warrior like his dad was. Uh, but he begins to seek God. He begins to seek wisdom. Right? Uh, he knows that as this uh, a young, young man and getting this great kingdom that his God had allowed his, really his father to build uh, up, that he was going to need the Lord. He was going to need God. He was going to need wisdom. And you know the story how in verse 7 of this chapter, in the night God appeared unto Solomon, said unto him, Ask what I will give thee. And Solomon said unto God, Thou hast showed great mercy unto David my father, and hast made me to reign in his stead. Now, Lord, let thy promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people for who can judge this people that is so great. Solomon, he says, listen, I need some wisdom, God. I need understanding. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to to establish or continue this kingdom uh, that you have built uh, up to this point. And I need wisdom from you, Lord. I need God. And so, as we look at this place in Solomon's life. I want us to kind of keep a timeline as we study this in the sense uh, I use uh, Usher's, uh, his his time timeline, his time dates, and and, uh, he would say here at this point in time that this uh, was about 1,050 years before Christ, 1,015 years B.C., and this coincides 
this him being young and tender and becoming the king, this coincides with the book that he wrote, his first book that he wrote in the Scripture, Song of Solomon. So take your Bibles and turn over to the Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and verse 1. The Bible says, The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. This book that Solomon writes here is a love song. It's a, it's, a, it's a book about love and being in love and being uh, uh, filled with love. Um, it is a love song. One of the commentators uh, of, of old, his name was, last name Ironside, he summarized a, a brief analysis of the Song of Solomon. And by the way, you say, what are you talking about here? Uh, there's a point to the message. We'll get to it. But also, again, I'm still encouraging all of us as we skim the surface of, of Song of Solomon this morning and Ecclesiastes this morning, uh, that this is, again, just a scratch of the surface for us to dive in and do our own study. Right? To dive in and try and uh, draw some things out of Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. Written by the wisest man that ever lived, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that should be a pretty interesting book. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) So he says, uh, this brief summary of the Song of Solomon by Ironside says, a girl of a poor family worked in a vineyard that belonged to Solomon. She meets him, the young shepherd, and they fall in love. The shepherd has to go away, but he promises his return. As he come, as she becomes despondent during this long wait, but she also remains faithful while she waits for his return. While working in the field one day, she hears that King Solomon had come to her village. She wanted to go and see him and amazed when she recognized that King Solomon was that shepherd that she had fallen in love with. Together, they go to the palace in Jerusalem. And so... This Song of Solomon is an allegory, as you read through it, keeping this in mind, this is an allegory of Christ and the church. Christ and the church. It's a picture and type of the love of Christ and the church. Christ in the, uh, in the Song of Solomon, Christ is likened to the, the rose of Sharon. Yeah, amen. He's likened to the lily of the yeah, valley. Amen. Christ is likened to a chiefest among 10,000, he's said to be altogether lovely. And for Christ, or for the church rather, that's what Christ should be to us. It's about being in love. And specifically, for us as the church, it's about us being in love with Christ who first loved us. Right? It's about our heart being for Christ and with Christ. And if, he, and, if, and if it is, then He puts a song in our heart. Some familiar passages to you, but turn now to the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. 
be ready. We're going to turn two books over after that to Colossians. But Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. He says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. How are we going to know if we're filled with the Spirit? Verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. Isn't this interesting that the Song of Solomon is all about love? And when we're in love with the Lord, when we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to, he says, the result of that is we're going to have a song in our heart to the Lord. You follow me? He says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This song in the heart, this song that we have as a church as we sing praises to God, this comes out of an overflow of our relationship with Christ. Our walk with the Spirit. Our love for God and His love in us. This, you say, if we miss this part of it, we are missing it totally. If we miss the relationship part of Christianity, if we miss the relationship, the love part of our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, it just turns into religion, right? And that can happen to any of us. Look, flip over to Colossians. Colossians, he says the same thing. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, And above all, Colossians 3.14, And above all these things, put on charity. Now, this word charity is a little more than just love. It is God's love in us. God's love in action through us. Right? He defines it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 exactly what it means. But it's a little more than just love. It is God's love. It's some, in other words, it's something that we don't possess in and of ourselves. It's charity. It comes from God. It comes down from God. goes in us and then we're able to have it for other people. It says, above all, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also you are called into one body, unity, And be ye thankful, look at this, and let the Word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the Word of God, he says in Colossians, let the Word of God dwell in you richly and you'll sing in your heart with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He says, let the Holy Spirit be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll sing same thing. It's almost interchangeable. You let the Word of God dwell in you richly. We're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see what I'm saying? It's a, you could say it either way. Be filled with the Holy Spirit or let the Word of God dwell in you richly. And ultimately, this sort of stuff is going to manifest itself with the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts. We're going to come to the realization of how much grace and mercy God has bestowed upon us. Singing in our hearts. This is praising God. I like the Psalm, the psalm 100, which is a psalm of praise. We should, we should uh, read that from time to time. 
And think of that, about giving praise to the Lord. He says in Psalm 100, he said, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. I like that. Serve the Lord with gladness. You know, to be able to serve the Lord is not a have to. I mean, it is just a pleasure. Amen. It is a privilege. Serve the Lord with gladness. Don't think of it as a duty. I mean, it is, I think as Christians, it is a duty. We should serve the Lord. But don't think of it as a, oh, I got to do my... No! Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. There is a correlation here of these songs and singing and love. Right? Singing. Uh, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. I like this. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving. I've said this before. That hey, you say enter into His gates with thanksgiving. There's two ways of looking at that. Just enter into His gates with thanksgiving. One is when we go to the Lord in prayer, maybe we should come thanking instead of asking first. Come before His gates. Come into His presence with thanksgiving. But there's another way of looking at it too. Maybe that's the way to get into His presence. Maybe that's, that's the key to get into the door. You say, I want the Lord to meet with me. I want the presence of the Lord in my heart and in my life and in my family and in my home. Up. Go with thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, before long, we'll start to feel the presence of God being filled with the Spirit. Song in our heart. Joy in our heart. It makes all the difference in the Christian life. It makes all the difference in the Christian life is the love of God being shed abroad in our heart. He says, enter into His gates with thanksgiving. Come into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. It is so important for us as believers to stay in consistent, constant fellowship with Jesus Christ, with the love of Christ, being enabled to do that by the indwelling Spirit. He enables us to be in constant contact, constant comfort, constant all these sort of things because of the indwelling Spirit. That's what He was saying. Jesus was saying in John chapter 4 when He said, Whosoever drinketh of the water, uh, this water shall thirst again. Talking about the well water. You're going to thirst again. You're going to get thirsty later today or tomorrow. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Indwelling Spirit. Uh, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. By the way, that's where we get our name. This well of water, well spring, springing up into everlasting life, right? That we can be that, that Spirit-filled believer that brings quench to the thirst of this world. Those that are lost around us. There is a warning though in Solomon, even in the Songs of Solomon, he says in Song of Solomon chapter 2 and verse 15, he says, take us the foxes, the little foxes, the spoil the vine. So he's talking about in the relationship, by the way, uh, this, this too is, uh, as you look at the allegory of Christ in the church, is a good, uh, actually maybe a good book to study for, for the husband and wife too, because it's true that it's the little foxes uh, that can spoil the vine in a marriage. 
Is that not true? Just little things build up, bitterness over a long period of time. But he talks about this as far as Christ and the church too. It's just the little foxes that will swell the vine. Over a long period of time, some of these things just build up, build up before long. The great preacher uh, uh, from uh, Chicago, uh, D.L. Moody, he preached a message one time about the little foxes that spoil the vine. And his outline was about, about uh, how these little things that get in our lives spoil our walk and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And his outline went something like this. Selfishness will despoil love. Selfishness will spoil love. Discontent will spoil joy. Anxious thoughts will spoil peace. Bitterness will spoil gentleness. Um, apathy will spoil goodness. Doubt will spoil faith. Pride will spoil meekness. Worldly pleasure will spoil temperance. He says, a disobedience spoils our walk and fellowship with God. Misplaced activities and priorities will spoil our service for God. Envy will spoil our Christian unity. Evil imaginations will spoil our praise and worship. And as we look at these things, these little foxes that kind of come into our lives, and maybe it started out, and again, I'm making multiple applications here in marriage and then also in Christ and the church, started out in love and everything's good and everything's great, but then little foxes come in and start spoiling the vine. The simple joy of the love and fellowship that we have with Christ. Unfortunately, Solomon himself is a living testimony of this happening. As you see his start and his humility and the joy that he had in his kingdom, uh, by the time he writes his second book, about 15 years later, so 15 years after he becomes king, after he writes Song of Solomon, after all these things, he writes the book of Proverbs. And when he writes this book and he puts this all together, he's basically in his heyday. Fifteen years later, he has been building the temple, whether he's in the construction of building the temple. I think that took seven years. Uh, they were either building the temple or it had been finished. I mean, the Queen of Sheba uh, from Ethiopia writes, coming to seek his wisdom. Uh, the Bible says that silver in, in, in Israel at that time was as stones. Everybody was wealthy. All these sort of things were going great. He was great in wisdom, great in knowledge, great in understanding. But the little foxes had stolen his love for Christ. The Bible says this, and this is where we need to take our warning. So I start off a little positive. We're going to go to a negative, but don't worry. We're going to end with a positive, okay? I'm not going to leave us with the negative, but it's about to get negative here because what's exactly what happened in Solomon's life is that knowledge puffeth up. In our Christian life, I'm constantly, and I myself want to draw close to the Lord in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. His knowledge, His wisdom, and understanding. But there's like this dangerous thing of growing in knowledge without growing in love. There's this very dangerous thing that happens with growing in knowledge without growing in grace. It is absolutely, it actually works against the whole plan of what God meant for Growing in knowledge, growing in, 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 in all these sort of things without growing in our love. Just, let me say it like this. We can grow in just, just, just knowledge, but if we don't maintain our relationship with Christ, it'll have the opposite effect. Instead of us using what God gives us to build up the church, to help the church, to cause unity in brothers and sisters in Christ, it'll actually be the opposite. 
We use it to tear down. We use it to pull down. We use it to cause disunity. And so it's important that he says, Paul says, knowledge puffeth up. Right? Uh, here's another thing that Paul says. Uh, Take heed lest ye fall. Yeah, we do. That's something that we all got to think about here. Yeah, it started off really good with Solomon. And you think, how could Solomon ever have his heart begin to turn away from God? This is where we say this. Take heed lest we fall. The little foxes that come in and begin to just destroy our walk and love and relationship, the simplicity that is in Christ. So here we are. We're trying to grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding all the while knowing for sure that it is important to stay in the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. That simplicity. So he's growing here in, in all this knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And how could someone like Solomon, who has been shown so much, who's been given so much insight from God, how could someone like that fall like Solomon fell? Again, Take heed lest you fall. The next book, and I'm not spending a lot of time on Proverbs because we have the last couple weeks. The next book that Proverbs, or that Solomon wrote is the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes is basically the preacher gathering the people together to describe his own backsliding. I, the preacher, that's how he starts off. I, the preacher. And he starts off by, and listen, you know how many years, this was written 40 years, 40 years after he wrote the book of Song of Solomon, 40 years later. Now, you can summarize that, that Solomon wrote three books, the book of love, the book of wisdom, Proverbs, and the book of folly, or just another way of saying it is vanity. And he was a master at all three. In his life, he had saw the, to the greatest extent of all three. Ecclesiastes is a book is a book of man, and only man. That's important as you read, and I encourage us to read and study the book of Ecclesiastes this week. It's a simple, short book to be able to read and study. But remember this: it is different in the sense that it is it is all earthly. It is a perspective. A lot of the a lot of the Bible, most of the Bible, has a, has a heavenly perspective. And the Holy Spirit showing us that. But as you read Ecclesiastes, it's all earthly, all man. It's like this. It's, it's just, it, it doesn't take an account for eternity. It doesn't take an account for Jesus Christ. It doesn't take an account for the cross. It doesn't take an account for any of those things. It is, it is just a humanistic standpoint. And we see that in the world today. I mean, Ecclesiastes is the philosophy of so much of the world today. And this is a backslidden, backslidden man. Listen, in the book of Ecclesiastes, 29 times he says this, under the sun. 29 times he says, under the sun. You know what he's saying? Just on earth. This is not a heavenly perspective. 29 times. He says, under the heavens, three times. He says, upon earth, seven times. He says, vanity of vanities, seven times. He says, vexation of spirit, seven times. He says, I communed within mine own heart. I communed within mine own heart, seven times. And this is a man that knew better than to commune within his own heart. 
This is a man that wrote the book of Proverbs, uh, penned it down, these Proverbs. He knew better than to seek wisdom within himself. He knew better than to try and figure out the world and the philosophy of this world with, with, beside from himself. This was a man trying to figure out life. This is man, Ecclesiastes, trying to figure out life apart from God. As you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, you're going to hear some things that Solomon says that says, man, that sounds like the world today. That sounds like the philosophy of man today. He makes clear, though, in the book of Ecclesiastes that happiness and hope is impossible apart from God. It's impossible apart from God. This is a man who built... He built reservoirs. He built uh, the conduits. He built sophisticated infrastructure and development. He built the temple. He built a huge economy that involved all of the known world. This is, I mean, he's so depressed. You read Ecclesiastes, you're talking about a guy that is, he, he just is so despondent with life. He's so depressed. He's so bummed out about his life. This is Ecclesiastes. This is a man that has accomplished this much in his life. Yet unhappy. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound like the world today? I mean, there's never been a richer people, a more developed. You know, they come out with a new iPhone. Do you think that's going to make antidepressants go down? I'm asking the truth. I'm not, you know. They, the, the economy's doing great right now. Stock market. Do you think that that means that psychiatrists are going to be worried about their job? Is there a correlation with the more that we get, the happier that we are? Is my point that I'm trying to say? Is there? No. We've proven the point. That a great economy, that, that tons of sophistication, all this development will not satisfy the human heart but yet we'll still continue to try but yet we still continue to go and by the end of Solomon's life he says don't even attempt that don't even attempt it he eventually turned to idolatry he turned from God to idolatry he talks about all the vanity that's in worldly enjoyment vanity he says throughout Throughout the whole book, vanity just means emptiness. It means uh, the want of real substance to satisfy a desire. Uncertainty, empty pleasure, fruitlessness, just empty. It's the best way to explain it, vanity. He talks about vanity of the natural wisdom and natural knowledge. He talks about vanity of worldly wealth, and he would know. He talks about vanity of power. Vanity of authority. Vanity of all these things that he had. He says it's vanity, it's vanity, it's vanity. He talks about the experience of man who's tried everything to satisfy the human heart, but he says it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Nothing under the sun will really satisfy the human heart apart from God. When he got away from God, when Solomon got away from God, he tried everything to bring happiness. And you'll see these listed in Ecclesiastes, all the things that he tried to fill that void. But he didn't see love. He didn't have the, the joy that he had back when he wrote the Song of Solomon. He was missing something, and it was the love of Christ. As Christians, as Christians, 
We have to keep the cross in our, in our view. We have to keep the Gospel. You say, what really will settle it in our heart? How do I know that Christ loves me? Meditate. Think about the Gospel. The Gospel. God made flesh. Came to earth to save us. To seek and to save the sinner. God loved us so much in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Gospel. How much Jesus Christ loves us. How much we've been forgiven for. We as Christians have to keep it Keep going back to the cross, the gospel. I believe so many times we, like Solomon, get stuck on the wrong side of the cross. And we don't really see the grace of God. You say, how do, how do I know I don't see the grace of God? Because the, the lack of grace that we have with others. You say, I don't think that I understand the love of God. You say, why do you don't think that I understand the love of God? Because of the lack of love that we have for others. That was where Solomon was. If we recognize how much we've been forgiven for, we would never struggle with the question, should we forgive? (laughs) When we recognize how much we've been loved, and how lovable, unlovable we are, we would never again struggle with the question, do they deserve our love? In our, in our family and in the body of Christ and even in the lost world. I'm just saying, we've got to stay out of this, this uh, trap of losing the simple walk and relationship and love with God. I know you know these verses, but 1 John chapter 2, John being that disciple, and I, I could go on and on about this, you know, John being that disciple who he described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's how he described himself in his gospel. That, that right there is powerful. That's right. Amen. Because when then when you read the rest of all his books that he wrote, he talks about love, 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 love. Love each other. He just so wanted the church to love each other. He just, John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, he just wanted the Why? Because he just recognized one day, it just hit him, how much Jesus loved him. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Would, would we today say, I, would you, who are you? I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm just a sinner saved by the grace Amen. of God. Amen. He says in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why? Why John don't love the world? He says those are little foxes that spoil the vine. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And then he describes what those things are, the, the world, the the. The, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He says, they are not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passes away. That's right. Amen. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God is by the first. This is, this is Solomon's kind of bitterness. Is that all that he built. I mean, Solomon had enough wisdom to look and say, all that I've built, this economy, this kingdom, this wealth, this everything. It, what, he, he was so angry because he realized that it passed away. That one day he was going to pass away, and one day all these things were going to pass away, and all this labor and all this work that he went into for this worldly good, and Solomon thought it was vanity. It was vanity. The only thing that really lasted of Solomon was the scripture that he wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit. We don't look at any of the things that he did outside of that. The only thing that lasted in Solomon's life was what he did that was spiritual. Only thing. 
And he was the greatest man ever. <laughs> Ecclesiastes shows us, that, and I got this out of the World Bible Handbook. He says, without Christ, we cannot be satisfied even though we possess the whole world. Without Christ, we cannot be satisfied even though we possess the whole world because our heart is too large for the object. Our heart, God made our heart too big that the world cannot fill it. It still leaves us empty. But the flip side of that is uh, that with Christ and our affections set on Christ, we cannot fathom the infinite love of Christ because the object, Christ's love, is too large for our heart. In other words, we try to fill our lives with the pleasures of this world and we still come up empty. But if we just allow the Lord Jesus Christ and His love to come into our heart, we say, man, I don't have enough room. I'm overjoyed. I am a changed person because of Christ Jesus and His love in my life. You say, what's the point of the message? Love is better. Love is better. It doesn't have to go this way. You, you, Solomon made the wrong choices. It, listen, for us as Christians, it does not. It can get sweeter. We can grow in our love with Christ. It's possible. We can become not more critical, not more cold, not more cynical, not more hard-hearted as we, you know, I've seen everything, you know, in church. I've seen everything, and we haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> we haven't seen anything. We should, as Christians, be like at the edge of our seat, anticipating what God's going to do next. Right? Excited about our walk and relationship with Him. We don't, have to, we don't have to lose our love for Christ. This is what's so wonderful about salvation. It can just grow and grow. You see in Solomon, when you read the Song of Solomon, that Solomon found the joy in the simple things. That he would find joy in nature. In springtime. Then he would find joy in just a vineyard. Solomon would find joy in the smallest things. But yet when you see him 40 years later, he couldn't find joy in the most complex, the most sophisticated things. What had changed? His heart. The love. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. These are the last 13 and 14. These are the last two verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And so Solomon closes with, fear God, keep His commandments. That's good advice, but that's not as good as it gets. I like what the New Testament says. uh, The greatest of all commandments is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Listen, we should fear God and we should keep His commandments. But it it can go farther than that. We can fall in love with Him. We can enjoy our fellowship with Him. We can want it like He wanted His fellowship with His love in the Song of Solomon. 
We can want the Lord and desire Him. And it doesn't just have to be out of duty. It doesn't have to be out of a have to, but it can be truly out of a love and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God is so great. I was thinking of the song I'm going to sing to you. The love of God. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God sent His Son to win. His erring child He reconciled and pardoned from His sin. O love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. You know what this is about? It's about falling in love with Christ. Recognizing our walk in relationship with Him. Seeing the goodness of God in our lives. Seeing His grace and mercy. Listen, if we're here this morning and you're not in love with Christ, if the love of Christ, if you don't say, it's not been like that, I don't feel like Solomon felt in the Song of Psalms. Maybe I feel a little more like Solomon felt in Proverbs. Maybe even I feel like... I'd be surprised if you're here this morning, but if you said I even feel like Solomon in Ecclesiastes. The Solomon in Ecclesiastes, he'd say, what's the use? You know? Take heed lest we fall. We can go there. We can get that critical. It's all about money and nothing else matters. It's all about what we can get. And that's all, that's all that life's about. That's Solomon Ecclesiastes. You say, how, how can a heart get so hardened? Uh, by not remembering the cross. Amen. By not remembering the gospel. By not remembering how much we've been forgiven and how much we are loved. And then causing that to draw us close. To Christ. Get back to the cross. I encourage us. Get back to the cross. Get back to the gospel. Maybe it's just reading through Ecclesiastes and seeing what Solomon strove for and say, listen, if that's what I'm striving for, I want to take the advice of Solomon and not waste my life on those things. I want to then read Song of Solomon, and that's what I want to spend my life on. Drawing close to the Lord. And then truly, you can write your own song. 
And it could be that song of Herbert, right? His love for the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that song of... We don't expect you to sing it now. But it's just between you and the Lord. That song of Marty, right? That song, that song of Stephanie, right? That love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ is so real and it's so personal between us and Christ. Amen. As we close, I want to sing the song uh, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. But at this time when we sing, I want to sing it to the Lord, but if the Lord spoken to your heart, take time for prayer. This is kind of the time for an altar call. You can use the altar. Uh, we don't do that much, but you can come down here and kneel down and talk to the Lord. You can kneel down at your, at your, at your pew. You can uh, just pray to the Lord. You say, do I have to kneel down? No, but it kind of shows that you're sincere. It kind of shows that you're uh, humbling yourself before the Lord. Maybe some things, some little foxes have stolen some of the joy of the Lord in your heart. And just take time to do business with the Lord. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.